Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dirty Blondes. Today, I'm going to continue on with the fetish series. This week's topic is BDSM. I'm very excited to get into this episode because this is going to lay the groundwork so you guys can understand some of the other kinks that I will discuss later on in the series. So just consider this your BDSM 101 course. So let's just jump right in. What exactly is BDSM? BDSM is an umbrella term for different kinds of erotic behavior. So there's three major groups, which are bondage and discipline, domination and submission, and sadism and masochism. The terms are lumped together that way because there's overlapping preferences. So most of the time, a person's interests fall into two or more of the categories that I just mentioned. But before I get into what each of the groups is made up of, it's important for me to note that everything I will be discussing today is consensual between all parties. Consent, trust, and communication are super, super important in the world of BDSM. So how does consent work in the BDSM world. Consent and boundaries can be outlined in either a formal contract, a verbal agreement, or a casual conversation. Consent is not absolute. So if any of the players at any time are feeling uncomfortable either before or during the experience, they can tap out and revoke consent. The other players have to respect that as well. And just because someone previously gave you consent does not mean that they can't change their mind and revoke that consent at a later time. Revoking consent is done by using an agreed upon safe word. A safe word is a signal or a word that ends BDSM play instantly. Safe words are agreed upon by both parties in the planning and negotiating stages before you actually get into the physical scene and role playing of the BDSM world. Choosing a common word like stop is highly discouraged because so many people use that word playfully. So it can just cause a lot of confusion and someone might end up getting hurt. So it's not really worth even having that in your vocabulary as a potential safe word. The most common safe words are the traffic light system. So red, yellow, and green. They're really easy to remember in the heat of the moment, and each color communicates to your partner exactly how you're feeling. So obviously red means stop. This should be used when you're either not comfortable, you've reached your limit, you might be in pain, and you don't want to move forward, or you just no longer consent to the scene or act that is happening. Yellow simply just means slow down. So maybe you like what they're doing, but maybe it's a little too intense or... You need to switch positions because you're starting to reach your limit or you're starting to become physically uncomfortable. So it's basically just telling your partner to slow down and reel it in. And it's basically a timeout. Green obviously means go. So that just means you're totally comfortable with what's happening and you can continue on. Obviously, you can use other words. I personally think that the traffic light system is the best way to go because it's just universal. Everyone knows what those colors mean. There's no confusion and they're easy to remember when you need to think fast. Obviously, you can use other safe words if you like. I was looking on Reddit the other day just to see what other people were using as safe words and a ton of people were using food as safe words. I guess it's because food is just a common category that we all think about. So it's like if you're not thinking about sex, you're probably thinking about food. So (laughs) kind of makes sense. So I saw everything from pineapple to tofu to even mayonnaise, which I thought was really fucking bizarre, but to each their own. Um, Some other ones that I had seen that were kind of funny were umbrella, Oprah, 
Teletubby, Armageddon. Someone even wrote that they use Donald Trump as a safe word and soccer mom. I personally don't think that in my head, if I was ever in a panic situation or in pain, that I would be sitting there remembering any of these words. Like, yeah, they're funny to come up with. But for me, like in a panic situation, I don't know how my brain would react and trying to remember any of those words that I just mentioned. So if you aren't going to use the traffic light system and you're going to pick your own safe word, make sure it's a word that you can just easily remember. Just think about how you act in panic situations. Like if you're one of those people that kind of just blacks out, then I would just stick with the traffic light system, but you're adults, you guys can figure it out. But it needs to be a word also too that is easy for your partner to remember. Because if say mayonnaise is easy for you to remember and you're not going to forget it when you need to tap out, but you start yelling it and your partner is like, why the fuck is this bitch yelling mayonnaise at me? She's screaming mayonnaise at me (laughs) because he or she forgot that that was the safe word that could be a problem. So when you're picking a safe word, just make sure it's one that you both easily remember. In addition to verbal safe words, you need to pick nonverbal safe words. So nonverbal safe words are important to establish for the times where you're not going to be able to speak. So this would be when you're using a ball gag, maybe you have a full facial covering on. If you're a sub, maybe your dom is telling you that you're not allowed to speak the entire time. So those are times where you're going to have to have a nonverbal safe word to essentially tap out if you need to. So similar to the traffic light system, there's the thumbs up, thumbs down system. So basically, it kind of follows the same way with thumbs up is equal to green, thumb to the side is equal to yellow, and thumbs down is equal to red. This is fairly universal and simple because this is something that people, you know, everyone always does thumbs up, thumbs down. So that's pretty straightforward. And it's something that you can do even if your wrists are restrained, you can still use your thumbs. So I think that's pretty straightforward and easy. But there are other nonverbal safe words that you can do. So one is holding on to something and then dropping it on the floor. So it should be something more loud. So it gets their attention. You can use a sound maker. So like a bell or a dog training clicker. Body language is probably going to be the easiest for everyone. So if you have eye contact with your dom, then you can use rapid blinking. Just make sure that they're looking at you, obviously. Um, Squeezing their hand in a certain either manner or a certain number of times. You can roll over and tap out like WWE style. Like um, Snapping fingers is another really great one too, because again, if your wrists are restrained, I mean, it's like you can still you know, you can still move your fingers. So that's a great one to have just in case. Noise pattern is one that's kind of popular. I don't particularly love this one just because I feel like there's a lot of room for error potentially. This is when you either grunt or hum in some type of rhythmic pattern to make a noise for them. But I feel like in a lot of cases, it could potentially just sound like a sexual sound. So just make sure if you guys choose noise pattern as your nonverbal safe word that you really are paying attention because that there's, like I said, there's room for error with that one. So I don't personally suggest it, but again, to each their own, 
do what works best for you. So deciding on the verbal and nonverbal safe words is done in the beginning stages of BDSM activity. When you're planning out everything, you have to set up a trusting environment with your partner. So this takes planning and mutual agreements. You both have to listen to each other about your wants, your needs, your expectations, and even your limits. At this point in time, you and your partner are equals, regardless of what your roles are in the bedroom. It doesn't matter if one of you is a dom and one of you is a sub. You both are equals in the planning stage when you're going through what your needs and expectations and limits are. Part of the negotiation process is going to include your physical limitations, triggers, and limits. So with triggers, unfortunately, sometimes emotional triggers are discovered in the moment that you might not be aware of. So you might have to go back and renegotiate those at a later time. I'm going to give you a personal example. For those of you who have listened to the podcast before, I've mentioned that I had bariatric surgery. So years ago, I was borderline 400 pounds. I used to have a lot of guys who were really into fetishizing me. So some of those guys, when we were, this wasn't even in BDSM acts. It was just sex that we had. They would sit there and either negatively comment on my body or they would call me a fat pig. So even though I knew what I looked like and I was very self-aware about my weight and I would even joke about it and it just was what it was, I never thought that someone calling me a fat pig would really bother me just because at the end of the day, like I was the one that was probably hardest on myself. So when guys would say shit like that to me in bed, it really did trigger me. I think it more was the fact that it caught me off guard because obviously when you're having sex, you're a little bit more vulnerable. So if someone had called me a fat pig to my face, if I was in the mall or something like, yeah, it's rude, but like, I wouldn't have been like crying in a corner or anything like that. But when it moved into me being naked and they were completely like trying to humiliate me essentially and demean me, it was a different story. And it just made me want to shut down and just not continue on. So obviously in those situations for myself, we didn't go through triggers and the negotiation process or anything because it wasn't a true BDSM relationship. But my point with that is that you may run into situations like that where you're going to find out triggers about yourself potentially down the road. So you may have to go back and renegotiate those at a later time. So triggers can be anything from whether it's a certain type of position that you're in, touching a certain part of your body, certain words or sounds, or even certain smells. So if you know what your triggers are, you should absolutely disclose those to your partner in the planning phase, but don't be afraid to renegotiate later if something comes up that's bothering you. Now with limits, limits are just boundaries. So there's basically two kinds of limits. You have soft limits, which are just activities that you're not comfortable doing, but you might be willing to try. So this is something where you have to proceed with caution and you have to know your safe words 100% at this point. Safe words are going to be crucial if you're going to fuck around with soft limits. Now, hard limits, on the other hand, they're just a complete no-no. Like, they're not happening. It's something that you will never do, never want to do, and that's it. End of story. So now that we've gotten through the planning phase, let's get into the first group, which is bondage and discipline. So obviously, bondage is when a person is either tied, bound, or restrained. So there's different types of bondage, which include torture bondage, decorative bondage, and metal bondage. So decorative bondage is more when you see the pictures of people um, 
tied with rope and they're maybe suspended from the ceiling and the rope is really kind of intricate and almost, you know, it's kind of beautiful, like how it's done. So that's more the decorative bondage. Metal bondage is more like chastity, like the chastity belt. So it's actual metal like pieces um, that you can put on either a penis or a vagina. So sometimes it's like an actual like set of underwear or an actual device that goes over the penis. Some common reasons a person might either tie up their partner or want to be tied up is the temporary transfer of power. Um, The restrained partner might get pleasure from feeling helpless while the active partner might get the visual pleasure or satisfaction from seeing their partner kind of struggle and be immobile. If the active partner is a sadomasochist, then the restrained partner is more accessible to sadomasochistic behavior. So that's kind of where the overlapping themes comes in with the BDSM categories that I was talking about before. Personally, I like bondage. I think it's fun. Um, I agree with the whole power play and exchange of power. I think because in life, I'm typically more in control of a lot of situations and I am more dominant in life as, and as a person. So to kind of have the power taken away from me and to have to surrender to a person that I trust it and not think about things is kind of nice. Now, discipline is when a dom sets rules that their submissive is expected to obey. So when the rules are broken, punishment is used to discipline them. The punishment can be either physical or psychological. So the goal of discipline is basically to teach a sub how they should behave. So the punishment teaches self-restraint and then makes them a better sub in the future. The punishment is usually directly related to the mistake that they made. An example would be if a dom told their sub that they're not allowed to speak and the sub spoke out of turn, the punishment would be that they would potentially be silenced with a ball gag. So if it was the sub's first offense and they it was the first time they spoke out of turn, the dom might say, okay, you have to wear a ball gag for 30 minutes. If the sub keeps making the mistake and it now has made the mistake Six times, they may say, okay, you're going to wear a ball gag and you have to wear it for two hours or more. So usually depending on the severity of the mistake and how often it's made, the punishment obviously increases with the frequency of the mistake. And just to reiterate, all of the rules and the punishments are agreed upon in the early stages along with the safe words and everything else. So punishments should never be a hard limit. The goal is to make them a better sub, not make them not like you. Okay. Now, if the sub's role is a brat, they may push the dom's buttons to intentionally break the rules as a way to get attention because to them getting punished, even though it's negative attention, it's still attention to them. And that's what they want. Now, it's funny because my ex, Charlie, who I've mentioned before on the podcast, he is really the one who got me into the BDSM lifestyle, but he always would tell me when the first like year or two that we met that he was like, oh my God, you need major discipline. And he always had wanted to implement that, but because we were long distance, a majority of our relationship, unfortunately, it just never, we never got to that point. But he always would call me a brat and he always would say I would do better with discipline. So that's been something that I have always wanted to try. But 
I haven't been with anyone who has wanted to get to that point where they're actually establishing rules and punishment and all of that kind of stuff. So that is definitely on my BDSM bucket list for sure. The next group is domination and submission. So domination is when you dominate your sexual partner in and out of bed. Some dominants have arrangements with their sexual partners regarding their behavior outside, including their sleep patterns and food habits. So if you watched Fifty Shades of Grey, when Christian and Anastasia went through their contract, he had on there about her doctor's visits and not drinking alcohol and all of that. So she was able to negotiate that at that time. That's exactly what the planning stage of BDSM is. So she negotiated and he accepted the terms or countered and so on. So when doms come up with these types of rules, especially the ones that are outside of the bedroom, they do that because they believe it's in the best interest of the sub. Again, it's consensual and everything's negotiated. So the sub's not sitting there being controlled outside of their will. So some traits of a dom are going to be that they call the shots during sexual interactions and lead the show while sex occurs. They're going to suggest new positions. They're going to guide their partner through kissing, touching, and exactly what they want done. They will be much more assertive about what steps they're going to take to get through the sexual act. Now, a person who is dominant in bed does not necessarily have to be dominant in life. So with submission, a submissive follows their dom's actions. But it's important to note that they have as much control over deciding what happens to them as their dom does. They actually almost hold more power than the dom. The reason being is because, again, they've negotiated all of the terms in the contract. So they know the punishments. They know the consequences. They know what's expected of them. So if at any time, just like I said before, with the safe words, if they want to revoke consent, they can. So they're choosing to give up a part of themselves, essentially, to be at the submission of their dom. But they can take that away. They have that power to take that away. Just like John said in the Butt Stuff series, whoever's bottoming has the control. The sub has the control. They're giving them a piece of themselves away to the dom so they can be controlled, but they hold the power to revoke that consent and, and essentially can take the power away from the dom if they're not comfortable. So traits of a submissive are going to be that they usually won't initiate sex as much. They'll respond to their partner's advances for sex, but they don't prefer to take the lead. They have a more go with the flow attitude and they're, open to suggestions from their partner and prefer to be guided along and told what to do. In the same cases with doms, a person who is submissive in bed does not necessarily have to be submissive in life. And I feel like I fall into that kind of category because I have more of a dominant personality. So for me, I kind of fall into that role of just tell me what to do, you know, Another thing to note about dom-sub relationships is that they're not always romantic and they're not always monogamous. So you might have a dom who has multiple subs for 
different reasons of what they agree or not agree on in their contracts. And the same with the sub, they might have multiple doms that they answer to. So in the dom sub lifestyle, there are many variations. So it's basically limitless. There's a lot of different acts that are included in the dom sub life. So domestic servitude is one, chastity play, verbal humiliation, dehumanization, which I spoke about in the last fetish episode, which is like pony play or animal role play, human furniture, which is when a submissive's body is used for like a footstool or something. So that's kind of like the decorative bondage potentially, where that can overlap cross-dressing and feminization, human toilet. So that's basically golden showers and cuckolding is another one. So everything I just mentioned I'm going to do an episode on. Obviously, there's going to be more than just that, but I'm going to do an episode on each of these. So stay tuned because I'm so excited to get into this stuff because I know some of you are like really, really eager to learn more about it. So we have a lot to cover. (laughs) So this is going to be a long series. So the last group is sadism and masochism. Sadism is when someone gets either sexual pleasure or just simply gratification by inflicting pain and suffering on someone. So it doesn't always have to be sexual, but sadists just enjoy inflicting pain. Whereas masochism is the sexual pleasure or gratification of receiving pain and suffering. So typically they enjoy being being beaten, humiliated, bound and tortured, and in any way just to suffer. And again, this could be something that is potentially not sexual for a person. They might just like receiving pain and suffering. So I know for myself, I'm sure some of you can relate. I like to call myself an emotional masochist because I feel like anyone who's actively dating and keeps putting themselves through this is an emotional masochist. (laughs) So that's what I like to call myself. Um, Just kidding. But there are variations to sadomasochism, just like with dom-sub relationships. That includes electric play, which is when you have a toy that sends an electric current through you or shocks different parts of your body. So obviously, the more extreme, the more painful the shock. You can play with hot wax. There's impact play, which everyone knows. That's spanking with or whipping, caning, flogging using paddles. So anything that's creating any type of impact, there's blood play and cutting. So that's big in sadomasochism and humiliation. So humiliation can be verbal or physical. So verbal humiliation is just kind of the name calling, the making fun of and all of that. Whereas the physical acts would be potentially having a sub dress maybe as an animal or wear a leash and a collar with, um, you know, maybe some kind of more derogatory terms for that person. Like it could be fat pig or something like that, either written on their shirt or their body. And the Dom is making the person walk around outside, um, to humiliate them in that way. So humiliation can kind of take multiple forms. People often lump Doms and subs and sadists and masochists together, but not all masochists are submissive and not all subs enjoy pain. Equally, not all sadists are dominant, whereas not all doms are sadists. In dom-sub relationships, there's usually a stronger emotional aspect 
to the sexual desires and the need for control or to be controlled. While sadomasochism is truly just about giving and receiving pain and suffering. So there's less of an emotional aspect to that part of it. So in dom-sub relationships, there is something called aftercare. So that is typically when the dom makes sure that their sub is okay after all of the acts and scenes that they performed. So for some subs, they may need just, you know, cuddling or they might want a bath drawn or they might want to be just kind of left alone. And depending on their role, if, if they're a little, that could be more of a, you know, juvenile aftercare, um, with maybe like stuffed animals and toys and things like that. So it's all dependent on the role, but aftercare overall is where the Dom checks in with the sub to make sure that they're emotionally and physically okay after every act that they have gone through. So with sadomasochism, I don't consider myself a masochist. I do enjoy impact play, but again, I feel like I'm more of a sub than anything. Um, I definitely am more into the bondage and I would love to get into the discipline part of it. And I'm definitely more into the sub role than the dominant role, at least in bed. And sadomasochism, it's never been anything that I've really been into, just minus the impact play part of it. I think everyone likes a little bit of pain. So again, that's why I mentioned in the beginning of the episode that there are these crossovers in BDSM. So that's why all of them are under one umbrella, but you're going to hit different categories that you like, but maybe not all of them. So this concludes BDSM 101. I hope you guys learned a lot and enjoyed the episode. I'm so excited to dive further into these topics with you because, like I said, I'm going to get into all the different variations. I'm going to get into the different types of roles, so different types of subs, different types of doms. Um, I'm going to get into aftercare as well. So just stay tuned. As always, if you want to be a guest on the show or you want to share your stories and experiences or any tips, head over to Instagram. It's Dirty Blondes Pod. Click the link in my bio and you can fill out the questionnaires there. Obviously, you can remain anonymous if you would like. Also, feel free to send me a message if you would like me to cover a specific kink for you or find out more information, or if there's something that you really want me to cover in the next couple of weeks, just let me know because I'd be more than happy to do that for you guys. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate review on Apple Podcasts. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. All right? Bye, guys. Bye, guys.